and welcome to our third NL full-time podcast in a week. So, I mean, the players and the teams and the managers go on about this swift turnaround and recovery for the next one. But what about us? Seriously. Um, I'm kidding, of course. We're recording this um, on Sunday evening. And, and that's because we wanted uh, all the FA Cup ties of the third round to play out so we could talk about all of them together. Um, we're going to start there, of course. But uh, before we go any further, I'm Rob Worrell. And uh, joining me is our two most regular members of the NL full-time team. As he's top of the other one on my screen, I'll go with Dickie Wharton first. Uh, Richard Wharton, good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> good evening, Truman. Yes. Um, no, good to see you both. Yeah. A um, uh, little bit of squad rotation, but I'm uh, I'm back in the starting, um, I can't say 11, starting three today. Exactly. But the good news is, Dickie, and I won't give away the result, but for our listeners, if you missed it somewhere in the middle, we released a podcast about 48 hours ago, which was great fun. We had Aaron McLean, Matt Smith and Scott Doe on from TNT Sports. And uh, me, Tom Lang, a former regular on the show, and Steve Gibbs, a uh, uh, non-league paper writer and former media manager in the National League as well. Um, we had a little bit of a quiz hosted by our other regular member I'm about to introduce. And Joe Pope, what a smashing job you did hosting it. Let's not give away what happened because maybe some of our listeners um, might look back and listen to that quiz, um, having not heard it yet. Yeah, good evening. Um, you're too kind, Rob. Um, hopefully the uh, listeners can in- enjoy that. It was great fun to uh, to write and to host. There's some infuriatingly good questions, listeners. Um, I think it's all wrapped up in a pod of less than an hour. A nice bit of humour in there as well. And uh, yeah, we move on. Um, FA Cup first. Biggest shock first. Well done, Maidstone United, um, who knocked out Stevenage from League One. Um, terrific result, Joe, for Maidstone. And listeners, at this point in time, I don't believe it. They've given us the merry, merry the, the runaround again, Maidstone. I didn't even try for George Alakobi this time, but George Fowler, where are you? Um, they did brilliant, though, Joe, didn't they? And we may not get any direct uh, reaction from Maidstone, but what an achievement. Uh, the furthest the club's ever gone in the FA Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to beat Stevenage anyway is a an achievement, especially a Stevenage side that are going so well in League One. So, um, yeah, brilliant result. Um, good penalty from Sam Corn. And, uh, yeah, uh, through to the next round. Uh, obviously, George Anacobi wants to go back to the Golden Palace, he says. Um, but, uh, yeah, brilliant result for them. And uh, maybe a little distraction from their league campaign. I don't know. Yeah, and amazing stuff. Um, Dickie, I'm going to come to you in a minute about one of the other games. But um, I just think for Maidstone to win is amazing. To keep a clean sheet against a football league team is amazing. All four of our non-league teams scored in the FA Cup this weekend, but they had somewhat mixed results. Um, Dickie, coming to you, um, our two other National League sides that played on Saturday had differing fortunes, didn't they? But it looked, as we were approaching the final whistle in both games, that that both would be heading for a replay. Um, Sadly, only one of them did make it across the line in the end. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, I have to say, before we move on, there, I'll just point out for people um, who, who aren't aware of where the Golden Palace is, it's not a Chinese takeaway, Wolverhampton, it is Molyneux. Uh, it's George Jellicoe, he's looking forward to a return to his former <laughs> team there. But yes, moving on. Um, yeah, uh, it was uh, uh, Eastley who managed to get the uh, the replay that I wouldn't say they were looking for because I'm sure imagine they they would have gone to Newport County very hoping very much for the victory but yeah uh, a replay is what they've got um, uh, back at the uh, the Silver Lake next weekend is that if I got the name right there Silver Lake yeah that's it the uh, yeah that's it you got I, it. I, for for a brief second I thought I got confused with Buxton but that's Silver Lake yeah the Spitfires, Lands, yeah, the Spitfires. Lake, that's it. yeah and I've got it. this terrible tendency Dicky 
to mix up Silver Lake, Spitfires and Spirite. Sorry, Chesterfield, but I know you're going to come on to talk about them anyway, so I'll leave you to get confused rather than <laughs> Yes, me. yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have the tongue twister on this occasion. Yes, um, they uh, easily came through, um, got themselves a replay yesterday, and um, dare I say it, uh, you know, we talk about teams doing it the hard way. They did do it the hard way yesterday. Uh, they were reduced to 10 men when George Langston was shown. I think it was a straight red card. He already got a yellow, but he was given a straight red for the the offence that saw him dismissed. Um, and then Newport County took the lead through James Clark. And at that point, it wasn't looking great for them. Um, but uh, Chris Maguire... He's a player who uh, has been around the block and he's uh, highly experienced. And uh, yeah, he netted a penalty in the 82nd minute for Eastleigh. Um, and they saw it through to full time and they get their replay. So great result for them. Yeah. And, and one other thing from that game notable for me, um, somehow Newport, probably because Eastleigh went down to 10, managed to stop Paul McCallum from scoring. I'll be very surprised if they do it for a second game next weekend, Joe. Yeah, obviously he's been in great form as an E-leading scorer with 24 goals. And um, yeah, easily you'd hope for their sake that they can get them back to the Silver Lake and give them a real good test, um, you know, win at home. And if they are going to do that, then uh, Paul McCullum's a good bet to be on the score sheet. It certainly is. As for Chesterfield then, Dickie, coming back to you, um, I think 94 minutes were on the clock when I glanced at it. And it was uh, it was one all. And I thought, do you know what? Fair play to Chesterfield. That's an amazing result. And I wouldn't bet against him in the replay. But Watford had other ideas, right? Yes, they did, unfortunately. Uh, so near, but yet so far for Chesterfield. Did we say it was the third season in a row that they've made the third round proper? But I, I can't remember from memory where they've actually gone past the third round in any of those seasons. I mean, they went really, really close yesterday. They led... Um, at Watford, a uh, championship team through a goal from Joe Quigley in the first half. Um, it pulled back to 1 1, Milita Rajovic with an equaliser in the 76th minute, but they were looking good for that replay until uh, a goal in the fifth minute of added time from Tom Dele Bashiru. And uh, yeah, out they tumbled, unfortunately. Um, doubly disappointing because, you know, a replay you would have felt having taken them to the to the wire if they got a 1-1 there that that would have been sure to be a TV game next week I know they're not they haven't announced TV games yet I'm sure they probably won't do that until the fourth round draw has actually taken place um, but there would have been a strong chance for Chesterfield there as it is I think Eastleigh have got a decent chance of being on next week um, and you know we're, we're I suppose we're talking about not not small compensations because you know that 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 money would have been very nice indeed. But uh, yeah, both sides, you know, looked like they were going to have a chance or, or a shot of at least, you know, even being in the hat for the fourth round draw is exciting for fans. Just, I, I know you've still got another game to get through, but just, you know, that carrot dangled in front of you of, of what you might get in the fourth round if you can get through can be a big spur. It certainly can. And, 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 and that's not lost on me, the point that you just made, because our fourth uh, National League side played today, uh, all shut down at West Bromwich Albion. And there was a point close to full time yesterday where, where I thought, wow, we've got four non league sides. And, and here are three of them about to be in the draw for the next round. It it almost kind of reversed the, the free hit that Aldershot were having to something else. But obviously, Watford prevailed, Chesterfield didn't go through. And um, Aldershot travelled to West Brom today. I've seen things today I've seen scenes inside a football ground that will live with me for a long long time things that far outweigh the end result Aldershot were outclassed by a West Brom side that even though it had um, quite a few changes to it still boasted an awful lot of quality and in truth the game was over in the first half an hour but the way Aldershot kept going um, the wonderful moment they got at the end with young Ollie Bray, who we'll come back to in just a moment. Um, and the scenes at the end, because the fact that, although Aldershot lost it 4-1, the fact that they scored with almost the last kick of the game, it meant that as the manager, Widrington, and, and the players went over to almost 5,000 fans at the end, um, it was almost celebratory scenes, which you would never see after a 4-1 defeat. Um I've spoken to my colleague, Steve Gibbs, who joined us on the uh, quiz podcast in the week. 
And we think it's the second largest away following of Aldershot Town in their history, only beaten by the 2004 uh, playoff final at Stoke when they played Shrewsbury. Um, There was a brief moment before we went on air, before we started commentary today, where I looked over at the Smethwick end, absolutely bursting with red and blue, flares going off, balloons being thrown out everywhere. And I looked at my colleague, Steve Gibbs, and I, and I looked away and I had to wipe a little bit of moisture away. Um, that may seem over the top to some of our listeners, but it was a wonderful occasion uh, and one that was ultimately too big for a, an Aldershot side shorn of the services of um, Josh Stokes and uh, Haji Minogra in particular for different reasons. But Joe, I just wanted to come to you because you watch a lot of football and you follow a lot of football below the National League. We don't cover it on this podcast, but you know a little bit about the goal scorer who scored his first professional goal today and um, who I believe just two months ago was playing in step four of non-league and today he scored against the side six levels above that level. Yeah, I, th- I think if that's one of the biggest takeaways from today for Aldershot, obviously they'll be disappointed not to get through. But they didn't have Josh Stokes today, obviously a talent that they plucked from lower leagues. And another one of those scored today, Ollie Bray, uh, signed from Willand Rovers um, in Devon, uh, doing really, really well. He had a trial at Manchester United um, last year. A uh, very highly rated prospect. Um, it's amazing that a team in Devon's not picked him up before. But um, yeah, I think that will be the 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 coup for for Aldershot is that even though they lost, it's testament to what the likes of Tommy Richardson and Jamie Hedges are doing. A, the, they managed to get to a game of that magnitude, and B, it looks as if they've got another striker on the production line from from non-league. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're 3-0 down in a game of football, you know you're very likely to to lose it. And from that point on, the the uh, the shots faithful were hoping that they'd just have a moment, ideally at their end. But uh, in the end, it came very, very late on at the other end. And Ollie Bray, of course, had that moment. So that's it for the uh, FA Cup. The draw is tomorrow, Monday. Um, it's uh, 50-50, whether this podcast will come out before that um, draw is done or not. But Maidstone are in it. And Eastleigh are in it. Um, and it's a mouth-watering prospect, Dickie, isn't it? Um, it? You know, they're really... I mean, they were in there with the big boys in the last round, but there's half the teams left now and an awful lot of them are premiership and championship teams. Yes, there are. And, you know, we have to be realistic. Um, we're not talking about either... If Eastleigh do get through, we're not talking about them and, and Maidstone winning this competition. So it's about creating memories... Um, and it's about, dare I say it, creating money. And and if they can get a tie against a Premiership side, we know the Premiership sides don't always put out their strongest 11s squads for these kind of games, but that, that matters very little. It's the experience, particularly if you get drawn away from home, of, of being almost treated like a Premiership footballer for the day for, for teams like Maidstone and potentially Eastleigh. Um, you know, we we dearly hope that but that Eastley progress, and we hope that they can both go further in this competition. But you know, we have to be realistic about it and say this: we we are kind of getting to the threshold of where the national league um, interest falls away in this competition. But yeah, if they can, um, I say, create memories from the supporters. I mean, from what you said about Aldershot today, I think that's what you're talking about there. Really, you know, seeing as many fans as that turn out for the shots today. You're going to get fans there who perhaps have been drawn in by this cup run who will now stick with Aldershot, who will continue to go. And it's about new generations of fans and, you know, the potentials there for Maidstone to do that. Excellent stuff. So dreams were shattered for Aldershot and Chesterfield, but Eastleigh and Maidstone fans, you continue to dare to dream and you will be in Monday's draw for the fourth round. All right, then let's get back to our bread and butter, chaps. And that is the uh, National League. There was obviously um, uh, a fixture list affected uh, by the FA Cup ties on uh, Saturday. But uh, nevertheless, the majority of teams played Joe. As we look to uh, review that, of course, Chesterfield were involved in cup action. So how did Bromley in second place and Barnet in third get on? 
so Bromley, um, they couldn't get the win. Uh, they kept their unbeaten run going, but they could only get a point away at Maidenhead. Uh, tricky place to go, as always. A uh, useful point there for Alan Devish's side. Um, and for Barnet, it was um, they couldn't even get a point uh, on the road against a very good Altrincham side. Uh, they were actually 3-0 down in the game. Uh, Altrincham in their blistering best. Uh, goals from Newby, who I believe has had his loan extended from Colchester United this week. Uh, goals from uh, England C International, Lewis Baines. And then a goal from Jerome Akimo. Um But uh, Barnett, they always try and uh, give other teams a problem, don't they? And they often succeed. Goals from Harry Pritchard, Nidris Carnu. Uh, in the final minutes, but uh, wasn't to be for Barnet. So, um, yeah, really good result for Altrincham. Um, chance, good chance that Altrincham could have to play Barnet in the playoffs uh, coming into the season. So that's a really positive result for Phil Parkinson. Absolutely, it is. I've seen Dean Brennan's post-match interview, and he wasn't a happy bunny. Barnet conceding at awful times, 57 seconds in, I think, and then right just before half-time. Um, and uh, he was really, really disappointed with his defence on the day, and he didn't mince his words. I didn't actually get a chance to listen to Phil Parkinson's, but there can be no doubting now. We're over the halfway point of the season. They sit in fifth place, um, 43 points already, and in just their second season full-time, they are unquestionably the real deal this season. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still perhaps conceding too many goals for his liking still. Um, but when you're as good offensively as you are as Altrincham, then you're always going to stand a chance. Um, and the fact that they've got so many people in their team all contributing by scoring goals. You know, Lewis Baines, a defender, getting on the score sheet. He must have five or six now for the season. So, um, yeah, really pleased and a great way to kick off the new year, which potentially could end with them being in the Football League. Yeah, so Altrincham, the four sides in the um, fourth to seventh positions in the playoff, they've actually got the best goal difference there, plus 12 at the moment, um, which is uh, twice as good as Solihull Moors who are in fourth place. But my goodness me, Solihull Moors, who uh, showed they are still in this fight uh, against Chesterfield in the festive period, um, they took on uh, Woking, who've got new management and they've just, They've just not had the bounce, have they? Solihull Moors with a terrific 3-0 win there. It's not been the start for Woking that uh, their supporters would have wanted, is it, for under Doyle? No, um, obviously yet to win in the league under Michael Doyle. Um, and I was looking at the table, actually, after the game. Um, and I'd be slightly worried if I was Woking, to be honest. Um, they're perilously close to the uh, relegation places. They're only outside the play- or, sorry, outside the relegation by goal difference. Uh, 27 points, Ebsfleet also on 27, um, albeit Woking with a game in hand. And I think the problem you've got is that Michael Doyle is going into what was a fairly stable Woking team, albeit underperforming. And mid-season, he's trying to completely change the way that they play, go to a back three, uh, try and pass out from the back. They brought in Dion Kelly Evans in during the week uh, from Banbury. Um, so they're already struggling and he's now tried to completely rip up what's got them fairly successful last year and try a completely new style of football. So um, certainly I'd be worried if I was a Woken fan, um, given that they're already down there and struggling. Now, we've said for weeks and weeks and weeks that Oldham are coming. Well, forget that narrative. They've arrived. They're in sixth place now. Although it's pretty tight uh, below them, four or five teams within a couple of points of them, they are up now to sixth place. And no matter the fact that they haven't particularly won huge plaudits for the way they're playing or anything since uh, Mickey Mellon came in, what he's bought is that match winning now. So they keep finding a way, don't they? They got the job done at uh, a, a Dorking Wanderers side who were desperate to improve their home form and who knocked on the door all day long but just couldn't score against Oldham's mean defence. Oldham, Joe, have arrived in the playoffs. Discuss. Yeah, um, we thought that they might get into the playoffs come the end. Um, obviously, M- Mickey Mellon, they're not exactly playing brilliant. Um, I think the, the Oldham fans that I've spoken to have said that the performances aren't great. But the, the important thing is it's winning football. 
you know they're trying they're finding a way to get three points on the board and i think the the sole aim for Oldham is as long as they can finish in the playoffs come the end you'd back Mickey Mellon to win it for them because he's already done it before with Tranmere so um yeah a, a good win for them obviously another goal for Mike Pondop um which is always a good sign uh, he seems to have been a little bit more consistent since Mickey Mellon turned up um as for Dorkin obviously another disappointing one um there another side down there that looks to be dragged into it and um you know it's just their luck at Dorkin that I see they had another injury on the weekend uh, Matty Briggs went off injured uh, in the first half and potentially yeah. Luke Moore as well got injured but he went off at half time so yeah, if it's not, it doesn't rain, it pours at Dorking. Absolutely. It is. Yeah, it does. And, and, and uh, of course, they lost James McShane uh, for the rest of the season, most likely, uh, last week, didn't they? Um, having listened to Mark White's post-match, uh, by all accounts, Dorking just kept knocking on the door and couldn't break Oldham down. They did get the ball in the net around about 10 minutes from time, and that was disallowed, which... Won't have gone down well, uh, even if it was the correct decision, um, because obviously Dorkin up at Oldham earlier in the season had played so well as well. And that one ended nil-nil, but Dorkin had photographic proof of a ball being over the line for a goal there that wasn't given. So um, they may have a terrific relationship, the two clubs, but it's certainly being uh, tested with what happens on the pitch. While we're talking about Oldham, good luck to Frank who's still out there in the Atlantic, rowing away. I've done my bit. Listeners, if you want to do your bit, get online. Frank Wathwell, just look him up. Just giving. Um, it's a fantastic cause, uh, Alzheimer's, he's, he's raising money for. And I think he's looking to raise a million. And when I stuck my 20 quid in earlier um, or later last week, um, it was only on 160,000. So um, we want to do our bit to plug. I know Dawkins did have a collection for it yesterday. Hopefully, it's uh, fast on its way to at least a quarter of a million now. For the benefit of our listeners, Dickie's having some technical problems this evening. And if we ask him any questions, they just have to have yes, no answers. And he can either nod or shake his head. Um, Rochdale are also in the top seven in the National League. And they had to be quite patient against uh, Kidderminster, who held out uh, for the best part of an hour. But ultimately, Tyree Sinclair, and that's ominous, him coming back, Got his 10th goal of the season, chesting the ball downing and then volleying it in, uh, looping over Christian Dibble. And then uh, Rochdale doubled their lead through the veteran striker Ian Henderson later on. I've noticed how often Henderson gets goals in the last 10, 15, 20 minutes. So don't anybody be writing that chap off too early. Um, terrific win for Rochdale. And here's a question for Dickie and I'll commentate on the answer. Dickie, Kidderminster are now seven points adrift. Can they stay up? I'll commentate for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really say what Dickie just did. It may have involved his finger somewhere in his throat region. <laughs> I have to ask you the same question. They're in the bottom of the table. They're seven points adrift at the minute. Seven points is not unassailable, is it? But um, Kidderminster are, are going to have to start finding some consistency from somewhere of results. Yeah, and I, I think the problem for them is that they're still struggling to score goals. You know, they brought in Gold Mateo from AFC Fylde, but at the moment he's a bit bronze as opposed to gold, um, and not even that. Um, you know, he's um, the, another game in which they've blanked. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to strengthen um, their side. I see they brought in Hesketh, who came off the bench, um, at the weekend, and uh, they're they're giving it their all to try and get out of the problems, but um, they're they're stuttering, um, and I I think it's going to take a big turnaround, albeit only seven points. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to to turn that around. I would add just a point on Rochdale. Um, I I think I said this on last week's pod that I think Jim McNulty's done a fantastic job at Rochdale for all that he's gone through. Uh, all the injuries uh, and for them to be sitting in a playoff position um, and now Tyrese Sinclair back. Um, brilliant job he's doing there. As I see, they've they've also now lost defender George Nevitt uh, for, I think, eight weeks. Uh, he was perhaps coincidental timing because it looked as if he may get a January move uh, away from the club, higher up the pyramid. So uh, his departure onto the 
treatment table may have come at a good time. Gateshead have dropped out of the playoff positions, but don't panic, Heed fans. You'll know better than most that uh, you didn't have a game at the weekend. And uh, Gateshead have got one, two or three games in hand over the teams above them, and they're only a point outside the playoffs. Halifax, though, also drop out. They remain on 40 points. And Joe, I'd have to come to you on this one, wouldn't I? Because they lost 3-0 at Southend, who got everything right on Saturday. And individually, what a season Gus Scott Morris is having again. Um, I think one with his foot, one with his head. Um, and, uh, well, dare I say it, he's on fire right now. Yeah, and uh, I think we talked about last week that Chris Conn-Clark was probably a shoe in for team of the season. Though I think it's going to be very, very difficult for anybody to dislodge Gus Scott Morris. Uh, brilliant form this season. Um, gone up again from an impressive season last year. Uh, another two goals uh, for them. Goal from the returning Henry Sandat, um, who obviously joined a couple of weeks ago from uh, Hull City. Um, and yeah, a really good win for them after a couple of disappointing results over the festive period against Barnet for them to get back to winning ways 3-0 um, against Halifax would be really positive. I would also add just a point on Gateshead that we glossed over. Um, it would be really interesting to see what happens now because I see, um, I don't know whether you missed saw it, Rob, I think you may have missed it, um, in that Stephen Wean has now left the club. He's joined MK Dons in League Two um, on Saturday uh, so they've now got to do without him for the rest of the season. And that's just on the back of Archie Mayer being recalled as well. And, and they've also Sunday, lost Kyron Lofthouse. Kyron Lofthouse getting recalled last week. So it's going to be testy for Gateshead. We know they've got the quality. Uh, have they got the strength in depth? Can they keep as consistent in the second half of the season as they've been in the first? Tenth and eleventh place in the National League table are occupied Aldershot and Eastley, who are involved in FA Cup action this weekend. And sitting twelfth are Wilston, who've had a good run of late, but they did come unstuck away to one of the bottom four teams, Ebbs Fleet. A terrific win for Ebbs Fleet that leaves them just goal difference outside of the relegation or inside the relegation positions now. Then come Maidenhead and Southend, who we've already talked about, Borehamwood fifteenth, who didn't play. And then we move on to Hartlepool, Joe, for whom uh, Lenny Lawrence, uh, at the age of 78, I think. Thank you. Um, took charge of Hartlepool and he very nearly got a clean sheet. Uh, something that John Askey would have ripped his hand off for, wouldn't it, in his first game. They did eventually concede one to Oxford City, but Mr Mancini came back, didn't he, uh, to pull the strings and uh, what a part he played. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we said earlier in the season how big it was. So for them, for him to be back uh, is huge. Um, we did also mention, Rob, didn't we, the fact that if you were John Askey, you'd be cursing your luck, the fact that he got sacked. And then a week later, Anthony Mancini returns and they get back to winning ways. Um, you mm. wonder whether or not Hartlepool could have perhaps stuck it out with John Askey for an extra couple of weeks to get Mancini back fit and firing. Um, but uh, as it was, it was Lawrence that got the uh, the win, um, 2-1 against Oxford City, so that's much needed. Um, I did see that Bournemouth uh, and York were in action today, Rob, uh, in the National League, live on TNT Sports. Mm, uh, absolutely, a... yeah. And and you know what, Joe? Um I don't know what happened. I've been travelling back from uh, West Brom, so uh, so you can well, fill us in. I will, uh, I will fill in the listeners on what happened. And in short, not a lot. Um, it certainly wasn't a great advert for the National League, uh, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it looked as if Bournemouth were going to get all three points, a goal late on from Chris Bush. Uh, but as Neil Ardley's managed to do so well at York, even if it looks like the chips are down, they find a way to get something from the game. And it was Adam Crooks who got the goal in the 93rd minute to uh, get a, a point for York. That leaves Bournemouth in 15th on 31 points and York 18th, just above Dorking and Woking and just two points clear. It's difficult to, uh, there's no strong narrative with York, is there? They, it feels like they've picked up a bit since Ardley came in, but they haven't really pulled away from the relegation positions. What they have done, as you rightly say, is found a way to nick a point late on out of matches once or twice. Um, they did um, exactly that at, uh, at Aldershot earlier in the season. They uh, were 1-0 down 
for much of that match and scored in the dying moments uh, through the shot. Uh, but uh, that completes the review of the National League. And very shortly, with Dickie, we hope, we'll discuss the National League North. It's amazing what a difference small, simple changes can make, especially when it comes to your weight. Getting started is easier than you think with the free NHS weight loss app. It helps you to take those simple steps to lose those extra pounds. Download the free app today. Better health. Let's do this. We are delighted, listeners, to tell you that Dickie's problems are resolved. And he's back with us. Hello, Dickie. Hello. It's nice to be back with you. Yes. Uh, just purely technical problems resolved. I, it just If 10 minutes away from computer could sort out everything else, that would be great as well. But yeah. Yeah, it would be. It would be, wouldn't it? Um, of course, uh, we missed your insight in the National League. So we want it back now for the National League North. Uh, I know without even looking at any fixtures or scores that each week we have to start with two teams. I give you Scunthorpe and Tamworth. Take us away, Dickie. Yeah, um, once again, we've had a a change at the top in that uh, Tamworth have edged back into pole position um, by virtue of securing a 2-0 win over Buxton yesterday, whilst Scunthorpe could only draw 2-2 at home with Boston United. That was a bit of a turn-up. I would dare say the fact that um, that they were, I, I wouldn't exactly call them near neighbours, but I would think, you know, in terms of local rivalries, Boston don't have too many. I think their fans travelled in good number yesterday and they, they managed to secure a very valuable point there. It did look at one point as if Tamworth were heading for a draw as well with 80 minutes on the clock. It was still nil-nil between them and Buxton at the Lamb, but then two late goals from Jamie Jellis and Kyle Finn got them a 2-0 victory um, that put them back on top, uh, two points clear. Yeah, that that Scunthorpe result, that was a turn-up. I don't think many people would have had that one down um, as a, a, a draw. I think most people would have ranked that as a home win yesterday. Two goals for Danny Elliott for Scunthorpe, the first from the penalty spot. Uh, they were separated by an equaliser for Boston from Tom Leake. Elliott then, his second goal, put them 2-1 up just before half-time. But Jacob Hazel, um, he signed for Boston from Darlington after leaving there. Um, and he's been finding the target for them a few times in the last week. And he got another goal yesterday, a equaliser in the first minute of injury time. And uh, yeah, very valuable point for Boston and a big disappointment for the Iron. Yeah, and Boston have been really starting to pick up form eventually. They didn't have the best of starts this season, but they needed to recover, Joe, because I tipped them to be in the top seven by the end of the season. And they're homing in on it, aren't they now, Joe? Yeah, I, I, they're a team I really like, actually, the, the profile of that squad. Uh, really young squad, really exciting squad, and they've added a couple of experienced players. And it was one of those that managed to get uh, the point yesterday in, in Jacob Hazel. So, uh, yeah, looking uh, like 2024 is certainly going to be a bit of a brighter one for them. Dickie, behind Tamworth and Scunthorpe, there's a 10-point gap. Uh, but two of the other sides in the playoffs met, didn't they, uh, on uh, Saturday? And uh, one of those was Scarborough Athletic, who uh, prevailed, I believe, against Hereford. Yes, they did. Uh, a really big result, this one, for Scarborough. They've been picking up form really well, really well um, recently. And they uh, everything went green for them yesterday. It was uh, a hat-trick from Harry Green. Uh, his first goal after 26 minutes, and then he got two in the second half in the 61st minute and a 90 plus five minutes penalty for his hat-trick. Um, I have to say Scarborough were probably helped along the way by the fact that Jason Cowley of Hereford picked up a straight red five minutes before half-time. He's a big scoring threat for Hereford, um, so that reduced their their potency up front, and it also reduced them to 10 men as well. So that was um, I, something of a killer blow, I would say, yesterday. Um, and Scarborough, yeah, uh, they've also been boosted as well this week by the signing of Dominic McHale. He left Brackley, um, where he'd been um, since pre-season. Um, I know that he is a favourite of manager Gavin Cowan, but what the issues are there, I don't know. Potentially travelling, I think he was still living in the Manchester area. Um, so, yeah, a move to Scarborough perhaps makes a little more sense geographically for him, although it's still quite a haul across to the east coast of Yorkshire. Mm. The other three sides in the playoff positions are Chorley, Curzon 
and uh, Brackley. And they had differing fortunes on Saturday. Curzon could only draw nil-nil at home to Farsley Celtic. Uh, Chorley went down 2-0 at Alfredton, who closed ominously close to uh, those playoff positions again. Uh, but Brackley did get the job done, 1-0 away at Spennymore. Yes, they did. I think Chorley's uh, result is probably a bit of a surprise again, given current form. Um, I saw an interview with their manager, Andy Priest, in the week where he admitted to having thoughts, I have to say, quite similar to my own at the start of the season, which was given that Chorley had lost some of their um, more experienced personnel at the start of the season. He, you know, he wondered how, a little bit how they were going to go. Obviously, he put his faith in some 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 younger players and some new arrivals, and uh, and they've been performing for him. But yeah, they came up against uh, a, a battle-hardened Alfreton Town side yesterday, and uh, goals from George Cantrell and Liam Waldock got Alfreton the win there. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Billy Heath's uh, interview after that game and I think he said it was the best performance uh, since he came back to the club. Uh, so, uh, yeah, really good win for them. Terrific stuff, yeah. Alfreton then a point outside the playoffs. Boston, who we've talked about already, a point further behind them. And then comes Chester. Now, they were involved, Dickie, in what from the outside looking in looked like the shock result of the day to me. Yes, you would think so, really. I don't think, once again, I don't think many people would um, have had anything other than a Chester victory down for this game yesterday against Rushall Olympic. Um, but Rushall Olympic came away with all three points. Um, it's the kind of result that they've shown they're capable of the season. I think they've picked up 1-0 wins away at Boston and possibly away at Brackley as well, who I did forget to mention earlier. I think it was Morgan Roberts got their goal in a 1-0 win at Spennymoor. Um, anyway, uh, a goal from Rico Brown for uh, Rushall. Um, it wasn't the end of Rico, but it was the end of Chester's hopes for the day. Um, and yeah, that would have been a very disappointing result uh, for Chester under manager Callum McIntyre there. It, it's certainly not the kind of result I would imagine he, um, uh, well, he's not happy about losing games, put it that way. He's, a, he's an ultra-competitive character and I, I do imagine there were some uh, quite strong words said after that one yesterday. But once again, credit to Liam McDonald and his Rushall team. Um, they've had a little bit of a, a wobble over Christmas. They lost both their encounters against Tamworth. Um, in the, in that Staffordshire rivalry there. But, uh, yeah, bounced back with a big result yesterday. Yeah, South Shields and Warrington, bang mid-table, really. They met, they ended up drawing, and they both ended up on 37 points. Uh, in between them in the table are Blythe Spartans, who pulled off a terrific win away from home. Um, and there was more Harry Carey, wasn't there, in that one. <laughs> um, Bishop Stortford, of course, at home to them. And I see they're now 12 points adrift. And uh, I think this point about them not wanting to be in the National League North, they're taking a little bit too seriously, aren't they? <laughs> yes. I, unfortunately, that's beginning to look as if it could be academic. Um, and, you know, it, it is rough on, rough on Bishop Stortford. We, 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 we won't cover old ground. We've done this numerous times. But, um, you know, how much of a factor the additional travelling um, is having on their performances this season is hard to say, but it can't be positive. Um, they went down to a 3-1 defeat against Bishop, uh, against Blythe yesterday, who Blythe under um, uh, the new um, manager, John Shaw, after uh, uh, Graham Fenton stepped away from the club. They had two goals from Harry Gardner, um, either side of half-time, 25th and 64th minute. That put them into the lead after an early goal from Bishop Stortford um, had gone in from uh, Amadou Casarate. But yeah, Blythe made that one safe fairly late on with JJ Hooper adding a goal in 76th minute. And um, yeah, a, a, a nice, a very long journey home for Blythe, but uh, one made much more comfortable by having three points in the bag. Yeah, and just uh, for any Bishop Stortford fans listening, of course there was tongues slightly in cheek as I as I made that uh, that comment. But um, you talk about performances that, that are clearly you know not good enough to retain football at this level. But um, you'd have to take a step back and think how difficult must it be for Bishop Stortford to attract players this season when they know that every other week they're going on a long journey up north. 
Yeah, it's not easy. You know, we we do have to factor that in. Um, if they've been placed in National League South, you know, potentially the pool of players that was a, a, a available to them or, or players that would be interested in going to Bishop Stortford and playing at step two um, would have been potentially bigger. But yeah, it, it certainly is a factor. Um, and nobody likes to say, I told you so. You know, we, we all hoped that Bishop Stortford would be able to make a, a, a fair fist of it in National League North, but it, it's not looking that way at the moment, unfortunately. No, I'll uh, make a first visit to Bishop Stortford next weekend when Aldershot Town go there in the FA Trophy. And uh, uh, the boot will be on the other foot there, won't it? With uh, Bishop Stortford looking to take a scout from a higher level. And I know that Tommy Widrington's expecting a tough game in that one. Uh, Banbury and Peterborough Sports are both in uh, mid-table two and their game was postponed. Uh, any more detail on that one, Dickie? Was it waterlogged pitch? It was waterlogged pitch, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, Banbury's ground is rather prone uh, to waterlogging. Now, I did see some photographs of, of Banbury's ground and unfortunately they've been hit by waterlogging again. So that one's going to have to be rearranged. I suppose that the, the saving grace there really is... The distance between Banbury and Peterborough isn't the biggest of distances in National League North terms. So at least with the midweek rearrangement, you know, some Peterborough fans are going to be able to make that journey. Two other games to cover and largely affect sides towards the bottom end of the table. Gloucester and Southport shared the points with a two-all draw. But Darlington, who've had a crazy roller coaster of a season and changes of management, etc., they went and made the long trip down the East Coast uh, to Kings Lynn and they returned with all three points, Dickie. Yes, they did. Uh, this would be a big boost for Darlington. It was their first game under their new manager, Steve Watson, uh, the, the former manager of, I think, uh, Gateshead, York City, Chester. Um, he's been at a few clubs in and around National League circles now and, and he was their choice um, again, I saw them talking quite, you know, bullishly about their prospects. Darlington are in trouble at the bottom of the division, but he said he wouldn't have taken the job if he felt he couldn't get them out of it. So, you know, he's saying all the right things in terms of, you know, getting the supporters on board and 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 you know, showing some fighting spirit. And they 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 absolutely, um, you know, got some uh, fighting spirit yesterday, and they got a winning goal in the second minute of second half injury time from Mitch Curry away at Kings Lynn Town. Kings Lynn, just when they look as if they're pulling themselves away from the bottom of the table, they seem to find themselves getting pulled back in again. And obviously that will be a big blow to them losing to another team down towards the bottom yesterday. Adam Lakeland's gone in there um, and hasn't really worked his magic yet. You know, the kind of uh, performances that we saw him get out of a, a Farsley Celtic team and then which transferred over to Curzon Ashton. Um, it's just not really happened there. But yeah, Darlington, still an awful long way to go. But um, it, it's a start, isn't it? You've got to start somewhere and they've taken their first step. Yeah, Bishop Stortford bottom, Darlington second bottom. Uh, Darlington and Gloucester have 22 points, Kingsley in 26. And then it's Southport 29. But it could have been so different, couldn't it? Because... Uh, in that final game that we haven't talked about, uh, Gloucester led 2-0 with about 12 minutes to go against Southport. And that will be a terrific point that will feel like a win for Southport, won't it, Dick? It will, and it will feel like a, a point that's almost a defeat for, for Gloucester in the same circumstances. They had a goal from Ben Beresford in the first half, and then Elliot Durrell, um, he's certainly been around in National League circles. He was a, a National League champion when he was at Macclesfield a few seasons ago. Um, he added a second after 78 minutes, and surely at that point Gloucester are thinking they've got the points locked up. Um they have had a couple, a few more positive results of late down um, at New Meadow Park, and they are in trouble. But they've, you know, been feeling quite positive. But then, yeah, Southport hit them with a double blow towards the end of the game. Richie Bennett in the 82nd minute, and Tyler Walton in the 86th. All of a sudden, it's all square. Southport much the happier with their point there, and uh, yeah, Gloucester just have to reset and start again next week. And Joe, a final word from you on the National League North. Um, it's just uh, it's just going to add that uh, you need to see what happens in the next couple of weeks uh, with regards to Kings Lynn. Um, I know uh, uh, it looks as if a, 
a deal will be agreed uh, agreed sorry with uh, Adam Crother to join South End um so uh, obviously they're already struggling and then losing a couple of key players as well so uh, tough tough uh, couple of weeks ahead absolutely well we we talked i think last week or the week before about Stephen Cleve's appeal um really for 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 greater funding just to really get Kingsley into the end of the season and of course one of the obvious areas you have to look if you're struggling is to cut the wage bill. So um, Southend may have been knocking on the door at the right time uh, as far as Crowther's concerned. We're going to look now at the National League South. Joe, National League South, a pretty full fixture list other than the game that would have involved Maidstone. Uh, we have to start down in the southwest. Every other game's there anyway. Um, but Yeovil against Bath, both uh, in the top few places. How did that one play out? Uh, it was another win for Yeovil and uh, I think at, at this point you kind of have to sort of give them one hand on the title I think at this point um, game in hand, 10 points clear, uh, second place Hampton and Richmond um, and Mark Cooper said that his team didn't play very well, um, they didn't play very well at Twerton Park a couple of weeks ago but they've managed to get six points out of those two games against a good side in Bath uh, goals from uh, Jordan Young uh, and Frank Newbell um, to see out a 2-0 win. Uh, see Yeovil managed to give their fans a heart attack uh, after the game as they put out a tweet saying, thank you, Jordan Young, as it looked as if he was going on, only for him to sign a new contract 10 minutes later uh, to extend his stay at Hewish Park to 2026. Um, so, yeah, a good win for them. And, uh, you know, Yeovil have got a habit of that, you know, not playing perhaps at their best and finding a way with their experience to get over the line. Yeah, two was a popular number in the National League South. I think 10 or 11 different sides scored two on Saturday. They didn't all win, though. Uh, One who did lose for the first time in a long time, but remain in second place, albeit 10 points behind Yeovil now, Hampton and Richmond. They came unstuck at Braintree, Joe. Yeah, and it was against a good Braintree side. Um, I've sung the praises of Angela Harrop a lot on the podcast. I think he's a fantastic manager, and uh, you know I'm not surprised that he's the the one to end Hampton's run. Uh, two goals from Shaquille Cole Thurst in either half um, to make it three-one. Uh, uh, earlier goals from Ward for the home side and uh, Josh Anafawosi uh, for the away sides to give themselves a fighting chance, but. Uh, you know, Hampton have been on a great run, sitting second, just uh, not to be on the, the weekend. I got a message from my good friend John Winfield on Saturday saying he was off to watch Dave play. And I thought, hang on a minute, Dave got sent off last week. But it turns out Dave Winfield's red card was rescinded. He took his place in the Chelmsford lineup at Worthing. Both sides, of course, in the playoff positions. But Chelmsford, it was, Joe, that leapfrogged Worthing just as we felt. They'd sorted out their defensive issues. They go and concede three at home uh, and drop to fourth place. Yeah, um, you know, I think Worthing would have wanted to make a nice fast start in that one against a good chance of the side and uh, found themselves 1-0 down within a minute. Um, goal from uh, Freddie Hockey before uh, a goal from Charlie Ruff. He's in brilliant form this season. Um, before a goal from Ollie Pierce. Uh, about eight minutes later, uh, I think he's on 14 for the season now. Really good season for him. Um, and it was a very close second half, um, but it was Chelmsford that managed to see out the win. Uh, Jermaine Francis signed from Hashtag United in the summer. Uh, he got the third goal uh, before another goal for Ollie Pierce. Um, Chelmsford might have had Dave Winfield back in, but they couldn't stop Ollie Pierce scoring two goals <laughs> for him. And uh, yeah, good win for, for Chelmsford, who are sitting nicely now in and around the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, so Chelsea third, Worthing fourth and Maidstone, of course, were involved in FA Cup action. They are fifth. Not too many points between all those sides. Then come Bath, who we've already talked about sixth. And Avely, they've reappeared in the playoffs after a 3-1 win at Welling. And they uh, leapfrogged your side, Torquay United, Joe, who looked on track for a win, but ultimately had to settle for a point. Yeah, um, it was a point, and I think, in fairness, it was a point that that Eastbourne deserved. Um, First game for them under their new manager, Adam Murray. Uh, He was making his return to Torquay United. He used to be a player for Torquay, 
Um, and uh, yeah, he'd have been really pleased that his side managed to get a, a share of the spoils. Uh, early goal from Callum Keeley uh, got them in front before a turnaround from uh, Torquay. Uh, a goal and an assist from Dylan De Silva to make it 2-1. Um, but Eastbourne, they huffed and puffed in the second half, but they found a way. Uh, Decoray Sheriff had a really good game, I thought. Uh, got a goal in the 93rd minute. Uh, there was 12 fans from Eastbourne and they'd have gone home uh, really happy to see their side start Adam Murray's reign with a, a point. And uh, yeah, a good good point for, for Murray. For You want to start, you know, if you're going to get out. He always, he's already said it's going to be a very difficult challenge. Um, and to be at where Torquay on your first game is a tough one. Um, so to come mm. away with something is a positive. Um, yeah, 12 supporters there. Um, not too many weeks after Eastbourne only had 12 players in their squad. Um, they could have shared a minibus almost, couldn't they? The lot of them. Uh, but yeah, great start for Adam Murray. Uh, Torquay then just dropping out of the playoff positions, but I'm sure they'll be back under Gary Johnson. He's been there and done it all before. Uh, then two sides on 38 points in the table, Tunbridge Angels and St Albans. Uh, now, both of them got two win, two one wins at home, Joe. Uh, yeah, uh, Tombridge Angels, uh, they left it late. Uh, they did take the lead for Jordan Greenidge. Um, he's been brilliant for them on his return. Um, added them some firepower that they've needed um, before Weymouth managed to pull level through captain Tom Bearwish. Um, but Tombridge found a way um, to get all three points. Former shots player in Cody Lyons-Foster to, uh, popping up with the winner for them. Um, and as you'd expect from a Jay Saunders side, they're always in and around the playoffs come this time of the season. Um, and it was the same scoreline, as you say, for St Albans. Uh, Dom Hutchinson, that was recently recalled from uh, Slough. Uh, he's on loan from Woking, uh, sorry, from Wildstone. He got the goal to put St Albans in the lead before a goal from uh, Mitch Weiss. Uh, Farnborough did manage to get back into the contest a minutes ago. Another uh, shots player, uh, Hadi Gander. I think that's four goals for him now out on loan. He's having a really productive loan spell uh, at Farnborough, uh, but a much-needed win for uh, David Noble. Yeah, absolutely. Hemel Hempstead sit bang mid-table now, but they did so uh, in rather heroic circumstances, didn't they? Um, their win, uh, it came very late on, and they were down to 10 men at the time at Chippenham. Yeah, and that's uh, it's a win for Hemel, and it will be a, a really, really positive win for the, the, the confidence there. Um, they were 2-0 in front, goals from uh, George Williams uh, and recent signing Trey Mitford that obviously Dickie would have seen in the National League North a lot. Um, and uh, it all looked plain sailing for Hamill, uh, but Chippenham came back at them, goals from Aaron Amadi Holloway um, and uh, Ollie, uh, not Ollie Bray. We've talked about Ollie Bray before. Alex. Uh, <laughs> Alex Bray uh, got the second for them. Um, and uh, Hemel were reduced to 10 men. Montel McKenzie got sent off. And you would assume, having chucked away a two-goal lead and a down to ten men, that it would be Chippenham that would go on and get the winner. Uh, but it was Hemel, uh, goal right from the spot uh, in dying seconds for them to uh, get a massive win on the road for Brad Quinton. And uh, Chippenham, having come from two goals down, they'll be bitterly disappointed. Absolutely. Uh, Dover took on Truro and uh, another game without a win for Dover. Truro got the job done there. But let's talk about Scotty Davis, Slough Town. Maybe you've got the stats in front of you, but uh, all I can say is it's a very long time since they lost at home and they got the job done again against Taunton, didn't they, Joe? Yeah, um, I'm sure Scotty can uh, re- message into us if I got it incorrect, but I believe that's now 14 games at home that they've not lost. Uh, nine wins, five draws for them, um, which is a brilliant record uh, for Slough. Uh, easy win on the end in the end for them on the weekend. 3-0 win. Goals from Nathan Minas, Manisha Shandari and Slazi Sparzov scored in both the games against Hampton and Richmond over the festive period. As for Taunton, um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes at Taunton. There was a statement from their chairman uh, at the weekend um, and uh, also a statement from the goalkeeping coach, basically batting back at the owner from the players. Uh, they've seen lots of players leave the club of late. Uh, Dylan Morgan, we talked about last on the last pod, he's left. They've lost Nick Makuti uh, and another couple of players on the weekend, and uh, they're down to the bare bones now. Um, a young player 
Rabbi Mazimba, I think, made his debut at the weekend. And uh, I think their task at the moment is just to keep uh, 11 players available and get games in. One other game that uh, we haven't touched on yet saw the latest goal of the afternoon. 90 plus six minutes for Ruben Reed. Fill us in on the rest, Joe. Yeah, well, Alan Dowson will be kicking himself because they were winning 1-0 against Welling um, a couple of games ago and chucked it away in the 90th minute. Um, and they did it again uh, on Saturday. Uh, they did take the lead through MacArthur um, before Western Supermare pulled level through the brilliant Del Grubb. Um, and Dartford, they did have their backs to the wall, apparently. Uh, Western were on top, but it was Alex Wall that gave Dartford the lead. Um, but, you know, as we've mentioned, Dartford looked as if they were going to get all three points and they're already on the bus home by the sounds of it. Um, but Western managed to get a point in the end, goal from Ruben Reed, and, uh, yeah, another point gained for Western and one that will feel like a defeat for Dartford. Yeah, absolutely. It is a useful point for Western, more, uh, Western Supermare who pull uh, eight points clear of the relegation positions, which are currently occupied by Dover on 17 points. Haven't on 18, Welling on 21 and Eastbourne Borough, the best placed side to pull clear on 24. But they are five points behind Weymouth in 20th place. Looking ahead to next weekend, chaps, it's going to be FA Trophy action, isn't it? Uh, largely. Um, I haven't looked to see if there are any actual fixtures in the league. There might just be one or two might in the, from sides who are already out of the uh, FA Trophy. I've already mentioned I'll be at Bishop Stortford where Aldershot Town will travel to them. Um, any other games next weekend that to catch your eye, chaps? Um, I'll start with you, Joe. Um, are you off to a game yourself next weekend? Um, I would have loved to have made the trip uh, on the road. Uh, Torquay have got uh, Hereford in the FA Trophy. Should be a cracker. Hereford, no doubt, with a rocket from Paul Callis after their th- drop-in at the weekend. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have got to that one. Unfortunately, I can't uh, get to that one. But there are a couple of real cracking games, I must say, uh, in this round of the FA Trophy that catch my eye. Gateshead, Western Supermare, uh, Hartlepool, Hampton, Richmond. Um, and one that could be a... Um, we're going to give it the big billing now and it will probably be nil-nil, but a game that could probably end 10-10 given how both teams have been this year. And Radcliffe versus Barnet. Radcliffe have probably scored probably 100 goals already this season. Uh, and Barnet have been uh, regularly on the score sheets. That should be a, a cracker. Excellent stuff. And Dickie, you've noticed that there is one National League fixture next Saturday as well. Yeah, there is. Eastley versus Southend is the uh, the only game that goes ahead in the National League next weekend. I think there's something like 10 games in the North and nine games in the South. So obviously not too many teams still standing from those. Um, in Trophy-wise, I quite like the look of Averley versus AFC filed. I would um, be willing to bet that there might be a chance of an upset there. Um, also having a look down it as well. Um, Macclesfield Dorking looks like an interesting one. Uh, whose documentary is best? Um, yeah. Well, I think it's actually going to be settled on the field this week rather than how how many viewers uh, or how many likes we get on socials for that. But no, that'll be a fascinating meeting between those two. Um, I have to say Solihull Moors versus Nantwich as well. I'm interested in that one. Nantwich got a really big task um, on their hands there, but nice to see them doing well under former Telford manager Paul Carden, who's, uh, who's bounced back. Um, after his di- disappointments with Telford and his, uh, yeah, having a, a solid season with Nantwich. Yeah, and that really was a uh, savage draw for Dorking, uh, getting Macclesfield away. Uh, boom, here all week. Uh, we've got half right. games on Tuesday night. Um, yes. National League, uh, two games which have probably been rearranged from the uh, cup competitions. Um, there's a smattering of games in the National League North. And uh, National League South, there's three games, one of which should be about uh, Taunton v Yeovil. Will Taunton actually get a game on at home? Or will this one be called off as well? Um, And there is also one FA Trophy game to be played to see if they can play on Saturday. Colville Town against Walsall Woods. So uh, fitting that one in late in the day. 
Yeah, that's and, their uh, sixth attempt at holding that tie because it's actually wow. ended up being switched from Walsall Wood because the first three attempts were postponed and then the first two the next two attempts at Colville have also been postponed. So yeah, sixth time lucky for those two teams this week. And there's uh, a northern uh, match and a southern match in the National League. Uh, AFC Fylde will take on Hartlepool. So Lenny Lawrence uh, will uh, quickly follow up his uh, first victory with an away trip to uh, Mill Farm. And uh, Brennan and Strevens will do battle as Barnet take on Dagenham and Redbridge. That's it for this week, listeners. Thanks for joining us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you want it pinged straight to your inbox when it comes out each week. Thank you very much to our producer, Luke Edwards. Um, thank you very much indeed, Dickie. Great to see you and hear you for some of the pod. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really nice to be involved. I I, um, I was wondering um, whether how I was going to get through that one because I've had a bit of an irritating cough this week. But thankfully, um, yeah, that didn't make any appearances. And Joe, terrific effort from you. Three pods in a week as well and uh, hosting the quiz uh, in the middle of that. Thank you very much for all your efforts and have a good week yourself. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Talkie fans never seen a hat-trick like this before. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. Play the theme tune, Luke.